Hello, welcome to episode 42 of Teeing Off Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 1st, and I am your host, RJ McCullough. I know I've been off for a little bit. I will get into that, but let's get started. Okay, yes, I was off for about a month. Uh, I'm not taking a vacation per se, but I just had some stuff I went through. Um, I won't get into it too much because sort of a downer, but uh, I was in, I was heading to Chicago, Chicago area for the KPMG Women's PGA. This is going to be my first major, super excited. Uh, Yeah, everything booked, everything set. So I just drove down there, uh, got to the Chicago area where I was staying, um, early Monday afternoon, and as I'm literally pulling off the highway, I was already off the highway, pulling into, um, into my hotel that I was staying in for the week, and, uh, I was with my girlfriend, and we, as we're pulling off, I got a call from my brother, uh, actually missed the call from my brother, then I got a text right away from him. Uh, saying that my dad had passed away, uh, completely out of the blue, didn't have any conditions or anything like that. Uh, he was a very healthy, active guy. Um, so just an absolute total shock. Uh, ended up he had a blood clot in his groin area. It traveled to his lungs and just cut off his breathing essentially. Um, so obviously very, 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 very upsetting. He was only 58 years old. Um, I did stay for one day. I, I was just sort of so in shock, and I was so excited to cover my first major. Um, I wanted to try and push through, um, so I did one day at the at Kemper Lakes, which is where they held the tournament. Um, it's a great course they've held. They had the PGA Championship there years ago. Payne Stewart won. Uh, they've had a bunch of other tournaments there. Really, really, absolutely gorgeous course, and uh, so I followed a bunch of golfers around. I talked to Brooke Henderson. She was actually playing with Condoleezza Rice in the Pro-Am that day. So that was cool. Um, but obviously I needed to come home. So I stayed for the one day and then I came home to uh, go to the funeral and uh, you know, so much, so many things that need to be taken care of after someone in your family passed away. So I did that. Um, was home for I don't know, two weeks or so, uh, just taking care of everything. Um, one thing before I did do, before I left, though, I, I remembered reading uh, at some point. I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but I remembered reading a story about Danielle Kang uh, losing her father and how, how much it affected her and her coping process and all that stuff. So before I left, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a few minutes to speak with Danielle, and um, I'll cut out. I mean, this was a month ago, so the stuff about the actual tournament, that stuff, I'm going to cut that out because that's not really relevant. But she had some really, really nice things to say, some stuff that's really helped me still that I think about um, helping cope with this loss. So I'm going to uh, just include a little bit of that conversation here. Yeah. Joined by defending champion Danielle Kang. Nice putt on the last hole there. How did you end up with that group of characters in your pro? Uh, I have no idea. I just showed up and then I got some, you know, I don't get to choose my pro-am groups, so... I got a good one today, though. I think we won, hopefully, because yeah. the last putt was big, so Jerry was going to be really happy. Okay. Do you usually chirp your playing partners that much, or just those guys? No, I do. Yeah. It depends. Like, 
I mean, it depends on the vibe of the group, if the group is very, like, serious, and, um, but, I mean, it depends, but I just like to have fun with them, so, it's, for me, like, the best pro-am groups are, if they're just laid back and know how to have fun, that's just the easiest. Okay. Um, this is your first time defending a tournament. What's that, what's it been like, you know, coming, uh, not same course, but coming back to defend? Um, I absolutely love it. I like that I'm everywhere. <laughs> I am literally everywhere, in every board, every magazine, on the tickets, uh, my name's up in the I have my own parking spot. Like, I love it. Yeah. My favorite color is blue. Blue is everywhere. I just, I don't know. The vibe is so great. Um, golf course is, is really hard. I love the fact that PGA of America sets it up the way they do, and I'm excited for the week. Okay, a couple quick questions. What did you do with the two cars you won and whole, after hole in ones in 2014? Oh, I traded him for cash. Oh, you could do that? Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Um, I need to know it about... It cost me more money to bring them over. Oh, you have to pay all that? Yeah. I need to know about you falling asleep stretching and waking up 30 minutes later with a broken tooth. So that's not what happened. So I I fell asleep stretching, but then actually, yeah, that is actually kind of what happened. But I didn't break my tooth because I fell asleep. Uh I woke up and the tooth was broke. Like I woke up and it just kind of chipped off. I don't know what happened. Nothing to do with you falling asleep. No, I just fell asleep on the floor. But then I was almost late. I would think I made the tea time by 11 minutes. Like I barely made it. (laughs) That's lucky. Uh, I'm Canadian. So I'm curious. I saw you're a Vegas Knights fan. Did you get to go to any games? Like, what's that? It's been like yeah. an amazing year for your first year. I'm jealous because I'm a Leafs fan. Oh, I went to a, I went to a lot of games. Um, every time I go with, you know, if I go with the Gretzkys, I have to be an Oilers fan for that, just that game. But I went to a lot of the regular season games. However, when the playoffs started, I started playing tournaments again, so I wasn't able to go to the playoff games. However, I planned it out perfectly that if they made the finals, I would be home for one game. I was home for game five. Oh, wow. So you got to see... I got to see the final Everything, game. yeah. That's yeah, cool. It was um, um, okay, last question. I, it's a little serious, but I just lost my dad very recently. Oh, and sorry. I was reading about you losing your dad, and it was very close, and you go to, like, his tombstone. When was the last time you went to visit him? And, like, how, what was the best way that you were able to cope with that loss? Um, I actually cried about him last night. <laughs> um, it's... I mean, I see him... I try to go as much as possible whenever I'm home or during an off week, but... How long ago did you lose your dad? Literally yesterday I got here and got the call. What? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Are you okay? It's a tough day. It's, it's the best way to deal with it, I feel like, to be up here. Just Otherwise, be busy? I'm just thinking, yeah. I'm from Toronto, so I just drove here eight hours. Got Were to the you? hotel, got a call, so I'm probably going to go back tomorrow. Was it expected? or No, we don't know what happened. We think it's like a heart attack or something like that, but we don't know. I'm so sorry. Well, That's so you. sudden. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a tough, um, tough 24 hours, but... This takes my mind off it so yeah i mean from me to you i mean i like it's when it's sudden like you don't get to say your goodbyes and like for my dad too he collapsed and went into a coma and i didn't get to talk to him right and to be honest like when people say time heals all like it doesn't that's a dumb quote <laughs> that is the dumbest quote in the world and i, I don't i think like for me the toughest part was like him going through so much struggle mm-hmm. through the chemo and like wow. And he changed the way, he, like, it started to change the way he looked. And, you know, he looked not well a lot. And seeing him in the hospital, all of that was really tough. And for me, I just try to think of all the good times that we had and all the good things. And just you can't think about the, the I don't know, anything. It's weird because, like, you think of regrets, right? But then for me, like, instead of regret, I just appreciated that, like, he loved me that much, you know? And... I don't know. I just I I cope with it by just being who I am, and I write to him every day. Okay. So I write to him every day. 
Yeah, I burn it at the end of the year. Oh, so no exit or you don't want to see it? You don't want to look at it? No, like, I don't know where people go when they die. Right. I don't know. I don't know. What, there's a lot of beliefs and I don't know what happens. But if I keep it with me, I just feel like, I don't know. It's just, I just want to throw it out in the world and just see where it goes. And I just write to him. And at the end of the year, I mean, when the journal's on, I just burn it. Okay. And just see where, hope that he can see it. Right. Hope that he could hear me. And when I talk to him, but... Um, yeah, it's tough. Like, I, I cried about him last night. I don't. I was thinking about him, and I. Whenever I have like a tough day, I just sit around. And I'm like, I would think about what I would say to him. And I don't know if you and your dad were really close. Yeah, and so like when I talk to him, I know what he will say back. Right. So that was. Yeah, that's you can just, like have a conversation. You could you could kind of so, hear right? them, you know. And yeah. the worst part is you can't talk to them. Mm-hmm. But then for me, I try. I try. I'm like, I just talk and just mumble. I'm like, Dad, this is what's happening. And then I could hear him saying like it's fine don't worry like everything's gonna be fine or whatever it is but it's not the same it's just it's it helps a little bit well thank you so much i really appreciate I'm so the sorry, time dude. Well, thank you thank you so thank you to danielle that was obviously um very helpful and very kind of her and uh just just a great down-to-earth person you could hear it in her voice just just a wonderful person um, I also talked to, just today, earlier today, I talked to Adam Stanley. He's one of the top, if not the top, golf journalist in Canada. Uh, so I will have that ch- chat for you a little, li- little bit later. Uh, after, so after a couple of weeks of, of being just sort of, you know, a zombie, um, luckily I have lots of good family and friends that are able to help me, help me get through this time. But uh, it's time, it was time to get back. Uh, sort of the, so the week of about July 10th or so, um, I had I had gotten press passes, media passes for the Marathon Classic, an LPGA event in Sylvania, Ohio, which is just about I don't know twenty minutes away from Toledo, Ohio. So uh, again, packed up the bags, headed down to Toledo. Was obviously still dealing with shit, but being at the course, I mean, just there's no better way to cope with things, to get over things, to deal with things, than to be for me at least doing what I love, which is going to golf tournaments, covering golf tournaments. And just watching, you know, just following the golf, following these golfers. Brooke Henderson, fortunately, was uh, in the thick of things the whole week. Uh, so I was able to follow her. Another really nice Canadian girl, Brittany Marchand, was there. Uh, talked to her a bunch of times and uh, had the opportunity to follow Brooke for the better part of her round on Sunday. And she was in first place most of the day. She wasn't able to finish finish as strong as she had hoped. Uh, lost out on a playoff by one stroke. But... Uh, still just a great week, and uh, if you haven't seen, I, I did a blog um, the, that day following following uh, Brooks, Brooks round, kind of the inside the ropes look of the final round being contention on all of that, and then after her round was over, um, I had seen Elena Sharp, another one of the Canadian girls, following Brooke, just outside the ropes, just following her like a fan for the whole day, and then uh, sort of waiting for them to have their post-round embrace. So I knew they're good friends. I knew Elena um, is sort of a mentor to Brooke. So I was just sort of waiting for the media to push the side. Brooke went over to her family, and then her and Elena had a really, really nice hug. Brooke was in tears. Elena was just saying, you know, I'm so proud of you, Brooke. You, you've come so far. There's going to be more tournaments, all that stuff. And I was able to capture a really good picture of that. Um, so if you haven't seen that, check it out on my Twitter, at RJ McCullough. That was a really nice moment. Um, from there, I came home. Uh, and then it was the following week was the Open Championship, which I mean, a lot of storylines there. Not going to go into it too much, but it really, 
There was a time on Sunday afternoon, I, I remember saying, I haven't been this excited to watch a round of golf in years, literal years, because Tiger was there. I mean, that leaderboard going into Sunday was just, even like halfway through Sunday, I, it was incredible, that, that leaderboard. A little bit disappointing that, not, nothing against Francesco Molinari, seems like a nice guy, but of all the big names up there, I mean, we had the chance to have Rory, Jordan Spieth, and Tiger. I mean, that's just three of the guys that were, were up on the leaderboard. Just those three going at it on the final round of a major. Something I've always wanted. Uh, something we were maybe not robbed of, just Francesco playing such such great golf. He obviously deserved the win, but Tiger being that close to winning a major was just whew, really, really got the butterflies going, really got the excitement level going. I'm sure that it was that way for everyone else too. Uh, but yeah, congrats to Molinari. Uh, and then last week, we had the Canadian Open. Obviously, I'm a Canadian, so obviously, that was a big week for me. I was there all week. Uh, amazing week. It was probably the last Canadian Open at Glen Abbey, which holds a very special place in everyone in Canada's heart, everyone golf fan in Canada's heart. And most golf fans in general remember Tiger's shot in 2000 out of the bunker. So even if you're not a big golf fan, uh, that course has some historic, some historic value to pretty much everyone. Yeah, I had a really good week, got lots of, lots of good stories, lots of good interviews, spoke to a lot of guys, met a lot of the golf journalists. The, I joined the Golf Journalists Association of Canada recently, and uh, so I met a lot of those guys, some really good guys. I'm um, going to have, have one of them on here in a minute, Adam Stanley. Uh, yeah, it was, the, like I said, probably the final at, uh, open at Glen Abbey, and uh, just obviously a very good send-off with Dustin Johnson winning. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be inside the ropes for... That as well, and I mean, just following him, it's incredible. Uh, the fans were so loud. They were so into it. There were so many of them, and they were so behind DJ. I, I can't repeat a lot of the stuff that I heard, but just every single hole, there's chants of Paulina. There's, there were chants of Dustin Gretzky. There's Let's Go Dustin. Uh, just, I mean, and a lot of stuff that I can't repeat, as I said, but. Um, and speaking of which, there was a couple weather delays, and I think everyone just used that as an opportunity to get themselves quite drunk. There were a lot of fans that were quite drunk, and even to the point where after Dustin sunk his final putt, <laughs> this older gentleman had to be dragged up through the where the media goes and the players walk off the course. This guy was dragged through there because he tried to run on the green after Dustin sank his final putt. And his reasoning was he wanted to point out that no one had mentioned the passing of Bruce Litsky, which obviously, yes, that's sad. Two-time Canadian Open winner, um, legendary golfer. But to think that that's your responsibility and you're going to be the one to run onto the green and they're going to just let this happen. Yeah, he was, uh, safe to say, he was pretty intoxicated. He was slurring. He was not making any sense. But um, So it was just all in all another fantastic week. I love covering events. Probably my favorite thing. And uh, so I, I've been very fortunate to cover a lot of events. Um, missed missed the, PG, the women's PGA, but uh, nonetheless, just, uh, just a really, really great week at the Canadian Open. And uh, as I said, if it was the final one at the Abbey, then it got a great send-off. I'm now going to bring on Adam Stanley. He writes for a number of websites all across Canada, a number of publications. He was writing on behalf of PJ Tour last week, so if you saw any um, any of the, you know, what you missed or what you need to know from the today's round during the Canadian Open last week, that was all Adam. Um, he just, he has his hand in a million different bowls. He's doing everything. Everyone knows Bob Weeks. 
he is essentially the younger Bob Weeks. And he, so he'll, he's the next Bob Weeks, I guess you could say. Um, great guy, was really nice um, in sort of, I don't know about taking me under his wing, but definitely, um, you know, helping me out with people I should talk to, uh, ways of getting into the industry, stuff like that. And he's always there whenever I need, uh, need any questions answered or whatever the case may be. And he was just everywhere last week. So I'm now going to bring on Adam Stanley. Thanks for joining me. Um, you said you were just talking on the phone with uh, Adam Hadwin's agent. Um, he withdrew from the Bridgestone. Is everything okay? So it was his hip or something? Yeah, so Adam uh, suffered from a uh, hip irregularity where an extra bone grows and rubs against the hip joint, which sounds not very pleasant at all. So he has had this issue flare up before in the past. It flared up so much so on Monday when he got home after missing the cut at the Canadian Open uh, that he had to withdraw from this week's WGC in Ohio because uh, he couldn't hit all the shots needed for tournament play. For example, how his hips are positioned when hitting out of a bunker, uh, he couldn't do that. There was too much pain. So the plan uh, is to take the week, uh, recover, and work with his doctor to get ready for the PGA Championship instead. Uh, but historically, from what I've been told, that's all he needs, just a week uh, of rest and recuperation. So uh, I would say there's no reason for him to not be playing in the PGA Championship this week, uh, but he won't be playing in the WGC uh, in Ohio starting on Thursday. And uh, it sounds like he'll be all right. Uh, just definitely comes at a, at a tough time in the schedule. Okay, so do you think this is something then that affected him last week at the Canadian Open? Um, from what I've been told, not really. Uh, it just kind of comes and goes. Uh, it didn't impact him as much uh, last week. Uh, just one of those weeks where I think, you know, kind of a microcosm of his season. He didn't play all that well. He, if he made a few birdies, he'd make a few bogeys and give it right back. So uh, that's kind of been the tale of Hadwin's season so far. This kind of just has compounded uh, you know, the, the issues ever so slightly. But uh, no, I, I don't think, based on what I saw and what I've been told, that this impacted him last week at the, uh, at the Canadian Open. So we've seen some guys at the Bridgestone, they'll show up, and uh, if they're injured or sick or whatnot, they'll kind of just, like, hit one shot or hit a few shots and then withdraw. Um, Adam obviously chose not to do that. Um, is that just sort of speak to the type of person he is? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you could say that. There's, you know... Instead of going all the way from Phoenix, he flew home after the Canadian Open for a couple of days. So instead of going all the way to Ohio to hit one shot and then go all the way back to Phoenix to try to get ready and then come all the way back <laughs> across, you know, halfway in the country to go to St. Louis, it just didn't make a lot of sense for, you know, for 50 grand or whatever it is. So, um, you know, it's a combination of, of who he is as a person, uh, but also from a logistics and efficiency standpoint, uh, it's kind of just made a lot more sense to stick it out at home. Right. And you said uh, it's something that's bothered him in the past. So he's, he, well, he's, he's taken a week off in the past to recover from this. And you think it's just, just going to be a type of one, one week type of thing and he'll be back at it? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, he, he probably wouldn't have even noticed if it was something that he was suffering from unless he did you know, an ounce of withdrawal like he's done here this week. It may have just been something that, you know, he worked on privately back at home or, you know, it so happened to come along uh, during a, a time that he was off anyways. So from what I've been told, yeah, it's a weak thing where he can kind of just rejig the hip 
and uh, he'll be back, I'm sure, uh, good as normal again for next week. Okay. So going back to the Canadian Open from last week, uh, you were running around all week. I don't think I saw you sitting for more than like five <laughs> minutes at a time. What was the most, uh, obviously you had a lot of things you had to do. What was the most fun aspect of the week for you? Watching Dustin Johnson hit <laughs> lasers on the driving range, I think was, was certainly something that I enjoyed immensely. Um, you know, I, I've covered the, the LPGA Tour for a number of years as well. And I've watched Brooke Henderson play a lot and to watch her hit a driver is something very very special but this was really the first time that i was way up close to dustin johnson as he was both warming up and on the golf course and the sound that the ball makes just flying off of his driver and the way that his body looks and works and manages to just launch the ball at speeds and of distances that i've never seen before in my life I think that was one of the coolest things because you really just bear witness to how different a game these guys and girls play to the average player and how much difference there is between them, but even how much difference there is between them and a really, really good amateur player. So, um, you know, a a solid week top to bottom, a lot of fun, uh, but watching Dustin Johnson hit golf balls in person uh, and then, of course, you know, watching him win by the time Sunday afternoon rolled around, uh, that was probably the coolest part of the week for sure. Yeah, I would I would second that uh, Dustin Johnson comment. I mean, I was I followed him a decent amount this week, but um, for example, on Sunday, I happened to just be like right behind him when he hit his tee shot on 18, and I guess people use the term full send. That was a full send. <laughs> oh my god! It's like and everyone around too. You just hear like every single time everyone. Oh my god! So that's a lot I of know. fun. Um, yeah. So on Sunday, what what was your day like? Did you were you able to watch? Were you writing all day? Like, what, what explain sort of what your day was like on Sunday? Uh, well, I ate a lot of the special cookies they have at the oh, media center so during good. the rain delay because <laughs> they have those oatmeal cookies with the coconut icing or whatever that yeah. apparently, according to the Glen Abbey staff, they only get during the Canadian Open. They don't actually sell those or have those at the golf course at any other time of the week. So the cookies. Uh, were a big highlight on Sunday, but I, I like I get there early on Sunday. I got there early most days, but you know Sunday certainly just to kind of see how everyone's doing. And and I tend to go uh, to the driving range with the last couple of groups getting ready. And it's interesting because that's when you can kind of bear witness to what the guys are working on. If they're spending more time on the putting green, or if they're spending more time specifically with a club uh, on the driving range. And I didn't actually see all that many journalists out there. In fact, I didn't really see any. Uh, but that was a cool thing to kind of just be standing uh, on the range with the last couple of groups. So, you know, I, I've watched some of the guys come in a little bit earlier uh, as, you know, my assignment really is to kind of do a running notebook of the day. Uh, and then by the time sort of, the, you know, the back nine rolled around, I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion that Dustin was going to win. So tried to follow him for a couple holes and then uh, just kind of get set up and ready to go and, and pound out the last uh, last story of the week. So a big mixed bag of things from following golf to hanging out on the range uh, to eating cookies <laughs> to uh, to writing, uh, you know, writing the, the last little piece for the week. So, you know, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Another great week down in, uh, in Toronto. Those cookies were delicious. I yeah. <laughs> held myself to a million of those as well. Um, so do you think with the tournament moving to early June next year, do you have any courses in mind past uh, 2019 that you maybe heard whispers that could host the tournament? Yeah, so I've been told, um, and, and I reported this for the Canadian press, that 
Uh, Mississauga Golf and Country Club has had conversations with Golf Canada about hosting uh, the Canadian Open soon. Um, St. George's as well, membership has had a conversation with the uh, with Golf Canada about bringing the tournament back there as well. Um, and I've also been told that Glen Abbey, quite frankly, is not out of the mix uh, with respect to the conversation for hosting either. So, uh, you know, a lot was made last week about this being the last Open at Glen Abbey. Uh, if it is, they certainly went out with a bang. If it isn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe do something that has a little bit more fanfare, a little bit more of a celebratory kind of attitude to it. Um, but those two golf courses I mentioned, uh, beyond Hamilton, Mississauga, and St. George's are you know, classic, tree-lined, um, well-thought-out, really, really beautiful, top-ten-in-the-country type golf courses. Uh, obviously, the only issue, and a little bit with Hamilton, but not as much because it has 27 holes, um, but St. George's, I mean, you've got to close off a major street to host that tournament. Mississauga's a kind of the same um so you know for all its faults glen abbey is perfect for hosting a pga tour event uh any other golf course in the country you've got to either sacrifice something uh, or force something uh, to make it happen so you know glen abbey yeah you can speak to it as not one of the best golf courses in canada but it's the only golf course in canada whose number one objective was to host a pga tour event uh, and i think they do that very very well yeah, and I think that's evident on days like Sunday where you see, like, on 18, for example, the massive crowds. There's not many courses that could, just the look of that on TV or when you're walking uh, with the groups, it's such a cool, unique feeling, and then the valley holes and everything. So it will be sort of sad if it is the last open. But do you think uh, going forward they're going to have to match up? Let's say, I know in ch- next year they're, they're not matched up, but say 2020 and going forward, I believe the U.S. Open in 2020 is in New York. So do you think, do you see them having... Um, the Canadian Open on the same coast. So, for example, if it's if it's in New York, they could have it in Ontario. But if if the U.S. Open is going to be at Pebble Beach, for example, do you think they'll have to move the Canadian Open to the B.C. or the West Coast to kind of match up the time zones? Yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a bad idea, and certainly on the schedule, it is a lot of back forth, back forth. But I mean, for a lot of the top guys, if they're going to fly private, it's really not that impactful. Uh, and even going Toronto to San Francisco, it's, you know, four and a bit hours. So um, I think the bank has made it pretty clear, RBC has made it pretty clear that this is going to be uh, a Toronto-centric event over the next couple of years. Um, and, you know, the bank is just not in the business of losing money or, or adding um, extra costs. And any time that it is hosted outside of Toronto, where their biggest client base is, where their offices are, uh, where the agency that helps organize the event is based out of, um, you know, it, it costs money to do that. So in Montreal, 2014, the event lost money. In Vancouver in 2011, the event lost money. So uh, now more than ever, you know, companies aren't really excited about the prospect of having to add costs or lose money. So if they know that they can do it in Toronto, uh, make money and make their clients happy, make the players happy because Toronto is such a international hub, uh, I really don't think it's going to be moving uh, anytime soon. Um, but never say never. The players love Shaughnessy. Um, you know, there, there's that new golf course in Calgary that's being built, uh, Mickelson National, that Phil Mickelson is, is a part of from a design perspective, and it's huge. I think it's like 8,000 yards or something like that. So it certainly could host a Canadian Open as well. Calgary's proven uh, that it's a city for the Tour, uh, having hosted the PGA Tour Champions event the last five six years or so um but at the end of the day it's not really the players that make the decision uh, it's the sponsor and, and if the bank wants to have it in toronto for 
five, six, seven years, then the bank's going to have it in Toronto for five, six, or seven years. <laughs> Interesting. I like the sounds of that from a selfish perspective. Yeah. <laughs> if you could, there's there's a lot of talk of, uh, well, not a lot of talk, but golfers talk about how they like to play certain guys like Phil Mixon, for example. He likes to play the week before a major, so he always plays. Uh, he's been playing the St. Jude Classic the last couple of years. If you could pick any three players that were going to come to the Canadian Open that don't usually come, who would they be? Uh, Rory, Jordan, and Ricky, I think, would be my, my top three. Over Tiger? Come on down. Over, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't know if Tiger is going to do it. I mean, I would, Tiger is kind of a, a pipe dream because mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever played a, a tournament a week before a major. So I don't even know if, if they said, you know, here's, here's a billion dollars, come play this golf tournament. I mean, maybe he would for that amount. But, uh, you know, the guys who are realistically having a, a chance to come play the Canadian Open moving forward, I think those three have got to be the guys. I think Ricky Fowler hasn't played um, since Vancouver, I think. So it's been a while for him. Uh, Rory, I don't believe, has ever played the Canadian Open. Uh, Jordan Spieth certainly hasn't uh, played the Canadian Open. But all those are guys who have in the past played the week before um, the week before the U.S. Open. So, you know, if RBC or Golf Canada or PGA Tour is saying, well, this is, you know, this is the schedule. So if you're going to want to play before the U.S. Open, you're going to have to go play the Canadian Open. Uh, and Hamilton is, um, you know, is a very nice, uh, solid, old-style track that could have rough, grown up really high and greens running really quick. And, you know, that sounds exactly like a U.S. Open setup. So, um, yeah, if those guys can, can make it happen, I think having Ricky here, you know, Jordan here, Rory here, it's going to introduce uh, a whole other generation of Canadian golf fans to the sport um, and, and actually kind of witness some of these guys do what they do uh, in person, which is uh, play golf better than anyone else on the planet. Right. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, I want to move on to the WGC and uh, the PGA if you've got a few more minutes. Um, but briefly, just, just real quick, do you have any other overall thoughts on the move to early June? I think it's a good news story overall. I mean, I think it's been tough to, um, you know, slide into the schedule, uh, into this time of the schedule, excuse me, right after the British Open. Uh, You know, for all of the good work that RBC has done, uh, and I mean, let's be serious, they've signed some of the biggest names in the sport uh, over the last couple of years. You know, Jason Day was on RBC, Dustin Johnson obviously is there. Uh, And all the work that they've done, you know, to bring other guys over, um, you know, to try to have a spectacle on the Tuesday. You know, Lee Trevino, Jack Nicholas has been there. And then, of course, you know, non-RBC guys, Bubba Watson, uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, Tommy Fleetwood was there, Sergio Garcia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, those are all good, big names, but it's a struggle to get top to bottom, uh, a solid, solid field the week after the British Open having to come all the way back to North America. So early June, a lot of excitement. I would say the only concern uh, that I've heard is all about mother nature. <laughs> we are, we're going to have to see if we get a rough winter uh, or what, because really, you know, from a Canadian perspective, golf courses are really only open for about four weeks or so uh, before uh, the first week of June. They've only kind of got May to work through before they're expected to host a PGA tour event. So We'll see what Mother Nature has to dole out uh, this winter, but all in all, moving it to June is uh, is a great thing. Awesome, I agree. Um, so moving on to this week, the WGC uh, Bridgestone, it's the last, it appears to be the last time they're going to be playing in Akron at Firestone. Um, do you have any 
thoughts on this week or uh, memories of the course. I just did a blog on, uh, just quickly, just kind of for fun, just on Tiger, like, reliving his eight wins here. And uh, I didn't, sort of didn't realize a lot of the moments that he had. I, I just kind of think of the shot in the dark in 2000. So what do you kind of think of when you think of this event? Tiger shot in the dark, yeah. I think, is, uh, is exactly what I read. And you know what's funny? I, I was kind of going through, I think the tour wrote something about that as well. And, you know, I was looking through that. And for some reason, I always had in my head that he just blew this tournament, blew this field away every single year. Uh, but he, but it wasn't the case. He, he won in the playoffs a few times. He won you know, by one or two strokes. He had to come from behind a couple times. Really, the only time that he did blow away the field was in 2000. Uh, you know, when he won by 11 shots and it, it was, you know, it was kind of funny how all that we shook out because, um, you know, he, he, it was a foregone conclusion. Everyone knew that he was going to win, but there was such a big rain delay that day. And nobody wanted to come back on Monday and, and put a bow on something that everyone knew was already going to happen. So for him to kind of come out, play that Sunday round in the dark was, uh, was very, very cool. I mean, I think the golf course is a little bit forgettable, to be honest. It's pretty much tree line, straight on, straight back, straight on, straight back. Um, but you know, obviously Tiger, Tiger likes it a lot. Um, any place where Tiger has been so dominant, you know, Bay Hill, uh, is another Torrey Pines is another, I think to me, those golf courses just climb, uh, and certainly those events climb a little bit higher on the, on the rankings of, of favorite ones, uh, because of what we got to see Tiger do. So, um, you know, 11, 11 shot victory shots in the dark eight times winning, um, you know, $10 million earned pretty much by Tiger at just that tournament. Uh, you know, the era of Tiger dominance is certainly something to, uh, to remember that tournament by. Do you see any similarities between those three courses, uh, Bay Hill, Torrey Pines, and uh, Firestone? Are they sort of all that long, straight sort of uh, setup? Sort of, but I think like Bay, Bay Hill winds a little bit, and then Torrey Pines obviously is, um, you know, in California, so... Um, you've got a little ocean action and it's a, a little bit windy as well. So you know, the golf courses are different, but I, I think you're right. There, there's a lot of kind of straight on straight back. And um, there's just something about those places that Tiger felt at home at and uh, it worked out not so bad for him. I think he's got, what is it? Eight, 16, 24 wins just at those three courses, which would make uh, make a nice career for, for a lot of guys out there. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Do you think that this is his best chance then to win uh, so far this year? And would you say realistically he has to win a normal event before he can win a major? Yeah, I mean, obviously a two two part question, but I think that the uh, I think the British Open was probably his best chance to win. He didn't have to hit driver, and and you know, save for a couple of dumb mistakes on Sunday, uh, he may just as well won that tournament. So. Uh, I, I don't think he needs to win a regular tournament in order to win a major. He's obviously shown that he can contend and, and lead a major even into Sunday afternoon. So uh, it's all dependent on if the two clubs uh, that are the most key for him, the driver and the putter, are, are working. Because if he's, you know, even though Firestone is straight on and straight back, uh, if he's wild with the driver, he's not going to be able to knock it close and, and make a few putts, which has kind of been the key to uh to his success in the past so uh if he can hit it straight okay that's great because his iron play has been so good this year uh but then once he gets on the greens if, if he's got sort of a bulky putter uh, it may not work out all that well so it's just a matter of having um every every line everything firing uh, all aspects of his game and, and that could happen at a major it could happen uh you know this week it could happen uh, in a couple of weeks of the fedex cup playoffs we'll uh 
and we'll just have to see how things shake out. But I do think that by the, by this time next year, I, I'd say Tiger will have at least one win under his belt. Were you a Tiger guy growing up? I was uh, oh, definitely Tiger, and Mike Weir had a definitely period of time in my heart, but that sort of faded a bit. But uh, yeah, you were a Tiger too. Yeah, absolutely, I was. He, uh, yeah, he he was he was the man. I mean, Mike Weir certainly had his moment. Even now, you know, talking to Mike Weir is still pretty cool because mm-hmm. really, you know, he was he was one of the three reasons uh, you know why I picked up and, and played and started to play golf. So you know, talking to him was was, was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, Tiger. Uh, it may not be down in history as the, the greatest winner of all time. He may not catch, uh, you know, Sam Snead or, or Jack Nicholas, but he certainly was the most dominant winner. And, and to see him do what he did as a, you know, 11, 12 year old or whatever it is, it was, it was something special and uh, certainly something I'll, I'll never forget. So we've got the PGA coming up next week. I'll uh, ask you a few questions about this and I'll let you go. Um, it's in at Bell Reeve in St. Louis. I'm not too familiar with that course. Do you know much about it? Uh, I actually don't. I, I, from everything I've read, though, it seems a lot like Firestone. It's kind of tree-lined parkland, um, straight, straight on. Everything's right in front of you. So, um, you know, if Tiger play, if somebody plays well this week at uh, at Akron, I wouldn't be surprised if they play well uh, the following week at the PGA too. So, um, you know, you can't look past what Dustin Johnson did this this week at the Canadian Open. Um, and, and for him not to be the favorite would, would be kind of idiotic. So I think I think you got to look at him. Um, and then if it's if it's soft, uh, maybe someone like Rory McIlroy could just bomb Tiger and hit flip wedges in there all week long. So uh, it should be fun. I mean, this is kind of the era we're in right now is that we've got 10, 12, 15 guys who tee it up at a major who realistically have a chance to win. So uh, I don't know much about Bell Reeves uh, other than you know, I've kind of seen that it's a little bit straight on, straight back. So. Like I said, if somebody plays well this week, I wouldn't be surprised if they play well uh, again next week too. Okay. Do you know how how many Canadians are potentially in the field? Just uh, just Adam. So we'll okay. see if he's uh, if he's feeling any better. Uh, which, like I said off the top, I think he will be. Uh, but for right now, he's the he's the lone guy flying the red and white. Okay. And one last question here: uh, You're obviously very in tune with Canadian golf. Do you see any top up and coming Canadian golfers, either on the men's side or the women's side, that have a chance to be a household name within the next five years or so? I think, uh, I think Corey Connors, you know, it's his first year on the PGA tour, but I think that he's got a real chance to, to start notching some wins pretty soon. Um, you know, he's, he's just got really good habits. Uh, he plays the game really, really well. He, he's pretty much Mackenzie Hughes, you know, two years later, he, he's, he does a lot of the exact same stuff. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins and, and actually maybe gets to two wins uh, before uh, before Mac does. Uh, not because Mac's skill set is any less, but I think Corey has just been so consistent so far. And he was in the final group on on Sunday, kind of early in his career, and he learned so much uh, a couple weeks earlier this year in, in March. So um, he's a guy who can put things kind of in his rear view pretty fast and, and move on, which he's done. Uh, he's getting married in November, and and you know once that sort of personal craziness slows down, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, you know, comes comes out of the gate really fast next year, uh, or ends up winning one of these fall events as an exciting wedding present, which is exactly what Mackenzie Hughes did as well. So, um, you know, Corey Connors, I think, is the guy that's going to be climbing that board sooner rather than later. Adam Spenson, he's Canadian as well. He's on the Web.com tour, but is pretty much guaranteed a PGA Tour card for next year. Uh, he plays exactly like those boys do as well. They're, they were all Golf Canada national team together. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a 
I hate to I hate to use the phrase golden era because I think it's a little bit cliche, but it's you know the perfect description for right now. I mean, there's 21 Canadians uh, in the field last week at the Canadian Open. Seven made the cut. The most of 2008. Uh, there's a lot of Canadian golfers playing really really good golf right now uh, on the PGA Tour, and then certainly there's there's Brooke. Uh, doing her thing on the LPGA tour, so uh, to be a Canadian golf fan right now is uh, is a good, exciting thing. Yeah, it certainly is, and I love the Corey Connors answer. When I was in uh, Hilton Head this year for the RBC Heritage, he was playing, and his fiance was along with him, and just just the absolute nicest people, like literally going yeah. out of their way because I was one of the only Canadians there, going out of their way to make sure that everything was good, and they're answering every question and everything. So just just great people, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me, and it was a lot of fun, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Happy to, man. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Thank you, Adam. That was a great chat. Um, just, as I said, great guy. As you can hear, huge passion for golf. He just he loves what he does, and it comes through um, the players, the media. Everyone last week just, just loves the guy. So thank you again to Adam. Um, loved having him on. It's a lot of fun chatting and trying to get more guests on here more regularly because this is a lot of fun getting other people's opinions. You don't just have to listen to me droning on and on. This week we on the tour, we've got the WCGC Bridgestone. Uh, I just posted a blog a few hours ago um, Tiger about Tiger's eight wins here. It's we got back-to-back weeks where it's probably the last week at a golf course. So last week is Glen Abbey. This week is probably the final week at uh, Firestone Country Club where they're playing... This week's WGC Bridgestone Invitational. It's in Akron, Ohio. Uh, DJ's got to be the favorite coming in after that that dominant win last week of the Canadian Open. It's a type of course that suits his type of pl- his type of game. Just every pole, as Adam mentioned, is long and straight, and then back, long and straight, and then back. So Dustin's got to be a favorite, but Tiger's also got to be right up there too. He's won here eight times, as I mentioned, in just sixteen starts. So he's got fifty percent winning clip here. He hasn't played the event. Uh, fully since 2013 when he won. He played in 2014 but had to withdraw due to back issues. So that'll be uh, it'll be another interesting week. It's it's kind of a crazy spot on the calendar. You know, you go British Open, Canadian Open, and then you got a WGC event, and then you got the, the PGA Championship. So very, uh, very interesting, very exciting part of the calendar. Makes sense why a lot of guys would skip the Canadian Open based on this spot on the calendar. Uh, but yeah, this should be another good week. It's a short field, so no cut. There was to be one Canadian in the field, Adam Hadwin, but he unfortunately withdrew as Adam Stanley uh, talked about. He gave some great insight onto that. So hopefully Adam will be back next week for the PJ Championship. Um, the only um, Canadian in the field this week and next week, uh, but obviously not in there this week. Hopefully he's back next week. And that is the PJ Championship next week. That's at Bell Reeve just outside St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Adam mentioned not knowing too much about the course other than it's similar to this week's course. Um, I'm in the same boat. I, I'm going to look up, do my research on the course, but I just it's not one of those courses that immediately springs to mind memories or uh, I can't even picture the course or anything like that. So I will uh, get into that. That'll be next week. But, yeah, I'm back now. I'm back, for, back with the podcast. Uh, I'm going to try and get a guest, one or two guests uh, a week or a month. Um, thanks to Danielle Kang and Adam Stanley for joining me this week. Uh, I'll have a little more in-depth, a little more back-to-normal podcast next week. Um, but yeah, this one, I just wanted to explain where I was, what happened, um, sort of what's been going on. So thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for waiting for me to come back. Um, yeah, if you want to share this out with anyone that you think would like it, I would really appreciate that. 
You can always reach me on Twitter at R-J-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, or you can just check out my website, teeingoffblog.com. That'll have everything there, links and uh, ways to contact me and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, just feel free to reach out. Let me know anything, any positives, any negatives, whatever the case may be. I'm RJ McCullough, and this has been Teeing Off. Mm-hmm.